Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I hope you are very well. Today I have a very special episode because I have my incredible business partner for EIQ Nutrition on to talk about numerous things. This was a Q&A that we did and as usual lots comes up and as usual we did agree on everything which just makes life that bit more exciting. For those of you who don't know what EIQ Nutrition is, this is our nutrition education course which is primarily aimed at personal trainers although we have quite a few people who are just really interested in nutrition that sign up. And our main aim is to educate and support coaches to provide the best possible service to their clients. But whether you're a coach or not, if you're interested in nutrition, which I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you might have some interest in nutrition, then this is a great episode. We talk about whether metabolic adaptation is reversible or whether it's for life. That sounds really drastic. Or, you know, whether it stays. Uh, We talk about adaptations to resting metabolic rate. We talk about how to remove tracking. We talk about identifying and how to approach under-reporting. We talk about the term nutritionist. We talk about losing fat without tracking. Oh gosh, we talk about a lot, you know. So enjoy. It always takes a little bit longer than you expect. No, but uh, as soon as it takes a while, I'm like, oh my God, what have I done wrong? Because, well, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay, I think we are live. Oh, I've shut my emails. So unprofessional. That's me, very unprofessional. Are we live? Never happened for me. Uh, Yeah, we are. Great, because my screen. We're here, we're queer. Um, Okay, first question. Has the webinar been uh, recorded? Yes, it has. It has. I, I think I pinned it to the announcements as well, so it should come up at the top of the page. Um, we'll run through some of the more basic questions, then we'll get to the really juicy ones, okay? So do you get access to all the lectures when you sign up or is it released weekly? I have a bit more time in September before I start my final year of university. So I was hoping to be able to do a bit more and then a bit less in the following months. So you get um, three, wait, have we added four? Uh, yeah, so you'll get four lectures. Each bundle's got three lectures and a podcast and a weekly live and a self-assessment. And yeah, it's split into what we call bundles. So there's four like monthly bundles, which is why the course is four months, but we've added a bonus lecture to each of those bundles. So now you actually get four full lectures every month which you can do your own time that's just a rough gauge of when to do them but we don't release the second bundle early so the thing is the way that we've done it is so that it's manageable alongside uni and and work and we've got a lot of people who for example are parents who are also personal trainers or single like single parents who are also personal trainers who who manage it so it's completely doable but on average there's four lectures per month how it works out yeah okay is there an intake in january won't be able to do the august one yes there will be although they do say it's very gutting that they can't do the august one i feel you um olivia something you touched on in the webinar if you've dieted down will your resting metabolic rate always be lower 
than someone of an equivalent weight or does it change over time as your body gets used to its new weight? No, I think it, it, I think from the research, and this is going to be quite individual, that it would stay lower. So it's a sort of long-term adaptation to becoming that bit more efficient. I think some of the research seems to suggest that actually exercising reduces that or sometimes seems to completely reverse that. And I would say that the, what seems to be the defining uh, factor in this is how much weight you've lost. So if you've lost like a hundred pounds, yeah, you're, you're probably always at your new weight, have a lower resting metabolic rate than someone who hasn't lost hundred pounds. If you're talking about losing like 10 pounds, it's probably negligible. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, and I mean, the reason I'm saying things like probably is because there isn't really the research there to show like exact figures for these things. And it's always going to be a range. It's always going to be individually quite different. But yeah, I think the, the thing that we wanted to get like hammer home last night, that it isn't being on 1200 calories that's wrecking your metabolism. It's well, I mean, it's not wrecking your metabolism, but any adaptation that does occur is due to the weight loss not the calorie number that you're on because realistically you're not on those calories if you're not losing weight we just have a little, little dribble there poured half my juice down my front yeah, yeah. just trying to style it out continue <laughs> okay um not a question just wanted to say thank you both so much for your time and incredible information you make really complicated things really easy to understand thank, well, thank you Emily. You. Okay, I enjoyed the webinar. I hope there will be more in the future. If you enjoyed the webinar, sign up to EIQ because there's a hell of a lot more. Um, just a question regarding not being obsessive on tracking and numbers. If a client has a target weight goal slash body composition that is time bound, i.e. for their wedding, how do you balance removing tracking and dieting whilst ensuring the client's goal is met? Right, there's quite a lot in this. Yeah, there's quite a lot in that. Ultimately, it's unpack. Yeah, a lot unpacking. Um, ultimately, you're going to have to first of all think. Well, what's the, what is their priority? What's the most important thing to them right now? If the most important thing for them is to diet into a wedding dress, for example, and that's completely their right to do that, then unfortunately, removing tracking is probably not the best thing to do. I think you have to the way that. We try and teach nutrition coaching is that you take it kind of chapter by chapter and what I mean by that is if I take on a client who has disordered eating habits I'll say right this is your chapter right now is going to be sorting out your your relationship with food and then a chapter that we have to go through to get to the next one which might be fat loss and so it might be that if you're working with something like this you say right well if you want to remove tracking that's fine but that has to be the focus and unfortunately that might mean that your fat loss stalls you have to pick which is most important for you and then um, switch when the time is right. And it might be actually, do you know what? I just really want to focus on fat loss right now. And I've actually had this exact situation with somebody who was getting married and we dieted her for the wedding like she wanted to and then we did the rest of the stuff after. So it's really easy to look from the outside and say like, say you looked at the stuff that I was talking about and be like, well, you know, it always does it like flexible and always moves clients away from tracking to more intuitive. And ultimately that's usually what I'll do as an end goal, but I've got hundreds of clients that still track. So 
I think that's the most important thing. You can still do it flexibly and you can say, do you know what? Fat loss might be a bit slower, but you can be more social and you can have a bit more flexibility and you might enjoy it a bit more potentially if it's a bit more relaxed, but you're not going to drop as much body fat. And rather than you making that decision, one of the lectures we have on EIQ is um, behavior change. And it's about using things like motivational interviewing to say, what do you want? What's important for you? It's not about us saying, this is what I think you should do. It's about you saying, what's most important to you? These are your options. What do you feel is most appropriate for you right now? And I'll support you with that. And then we can switch it. So I think that type of conversation is the most important thing in all of it. Yeah, like setting realistic expectations. The other thing is, and like this is an to everyone, but there isn't a set way to do these things either. Like it's going to be so individual. And actually some people, when, if you've been putting so much pressure, so much emphasis on tracking and like we've gone through all the inaccuracies that are in tracking, sometimes that can be really restrictive for people. And actually that's a negative to them. And once you take that pressure off yourself, like I'm sure most people have seen this, with goals like with their clients with fat loss goals like sometimes when you take the pressure off and you're like do you know what we're not going to track but we're still going to continue with these fundamental principles and you're just going to stick to these basic guidelines of eating um lots of fruit and veg with your meals and building your meals around protein and reducing snacking for example or working on on eating mindfully and sitting down and eating all of your meals maybe having a glass of water with each meal so you're eating it more slowly than normal sometimes that can result in more fat loss. So it's not always like, I know that for most people tracking calories is quite a useful thing, but it's not always the right thing for everyone. And it's not necessarily, and Amelia works with a slightly different client base. So for most of her clients, probably removing tracking will mean a little bit of weight gain for a period of time. And then potentially, I know you've spoken about this before that what tends to happen is people gain a little bit of weight and then that like normalizes back down. That doesn't always happen for everyone. And depending on where you're coming from and your relationship with food, it doesn't necessarily have to. Like my own personal experience, I don't like tracking. It feels really restrictive to me. I've never tracked for more than a couple of days. I obviously know what's in food, but that isn't the way I like to diet. And just putting all those numbers and barriers in, like for me, is unenjoyable. So if someone did that to me, I, w- I would immediately probably resist that. And actually for me, removing tracking would be A, really easy and B, way more fruitful in terms of reaching my goals. So it's just like another perspective on that. And and I, I really liked your point about values and what's most important to you at the moment and focusing on that, but also having like a bigger overarching view. Um, and Amelia talks a lot about values, which is essentially the same as how I sometimes frame it, which is like a cost benefit calculation and you're looking at like what is the cost here in terms of me looking at like x or losing weight up towards my wedding what's that going to cost me maybe that means that you know I actually don't enjoy the process as much because I don't go and try my wedding cake or I don't go and like go out for meals beforehand or I'm worried at my handy that I might overeat or whatever like is actually the cost of putting pressure on yourself at the moment worth the reward of maybe looking slightly leaner on your wedding day it might be and and this is the thing like as coaches you're not judging you're not telling people what to do but you're like this might be the cost for you again like it might not have to be that restrictive but you you absolutely can fit in a Hindu into your fat loss goals before your wedding but those are the sort of considerations and discussions you need to have like what's what's most important to you at the moment this is what fat loss might cost at the moment Mm -hmm. is that worth is that worth it to you? Yeah. 
And keep in mind too that if you're working with someone who's in a larger body, it, they, their calorie intake required to drop body fat is going to be relatively higher than someone in a smaller body. So for a lot of my clients that start working with me, they we, we're working on the relationship with food they're not tracking and they're dropping body weight. So I think what well, I just dribbled as well. <laughs> Welcome to our lives. Um, <laughs> So I think that's also really important. This is going to really depend on your client. If they're in a larger body, they might still be able to not track and lose body weight and do all of the things. So it's really going to depend on the specific person you're working with. Agreed. Um, but I think that will give you some food for thought. Oh, nice pun there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gemma. Love the webinar. Just a question re-underreporting. I have a client who insists that she isn't. Hmm, sounds familiar. Yet I have proof that she is. If I mention it to her, she gets really defensive. She blames the plan, but won't take any accountability. It's so frustrating to me. Yeah, like, and, and that is frustrating and I completely understand. And, and I touched on this a little bit, but maybe we can go into more detail, but Amelia does great um, content on motivational interviewing. But a lot of this is like creating an environment where your client feels like they can say, yeah, okay, well, I haven't actually been that adherent and I knowingly haven't. And I think actually showing them the kind of data that I showed you guys yesterday is quite useful like look a dietitian can't do it like so there is something going on here and just like reiterating energy balance as well and being like you know short-term weight fluctuations do happen but over time if we've been creating a deficit and I actually think that the word we is quite important because then it's not like if you had been creating a deficit you would have lost weight it's like no, no no like if we'd managed to create a deficit we would have lost weight by now like it, over the last six weeks we haven't seen any weight loss like especially if someone's got a significant amount of weight to lose realistically you are going to see something even if they are building muscle at the same time so maybe a discussion like that where you're really just emphasizing like we are a team here I want like I'm telling you this because I want the best results for you I did a podcast that I don't know like it wasn't meant to be about this but I sort of just went on a bit of a tangent but it was kind of talking about pushing people's calories up. So a lot of people that come to me tend to have tried to diet on 1200 calories that feel like they've got nowhere to go. And what's really scary to them is I'm like, okay, we're going to start on 1800 because actually that's going to be a deficit for you. And it's, there's obviously the element of, I don't believe you. I'm scared to do that. Like, oh, oh, I kind of don't want to do that. Are you sure I can't start on lower calories? And I'm like, no, let's, let's do this. And it's just reminding people, like, I want the best for you. Like it's in my best interest for you to get results. Like that's what I want. And I think sometimes like it's useful to reiterate that. Like it's not that I have this weird like vendetta about increasing people's calories. The reason that I'm doing it is because it works. It's what's going to work for you. Those numbers are going to create a deficit for you. It's going to be a deficit that you can stick to. And the reason I'm telling you is because I'm working with you to get your results. And this is the best thing for you to do. So I mean, that's not exactly the same as this, but that kind of emphasis on like how you're speaking to your clients and how you're creating that relationship with them is really important. Totally agree. I think I, I think in my updates at Let's and We, I don't think I ever say, I don't think I, I very really say you. Actually, I say you've done a really good job with this. This week, we're going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it'd be weird if you're like, we've done a really good yeah. job with with your fat loss yeah yeah um but I think this comes up a lot in EIQ a lot and I think you can sit down it depends how you work with your client but you can you can sit down you can have a call and you can say look these are all these are all the potential reasons why you're not 
we are not in an energy deficit. And you can go through some of the stuff that Emma spoke about yesterday and say, I don't know which one it is. This is not you saying this is good, this is this person's fault. Say, I don't know which one it is. So let's go through them one by one. What can we do here? And take that really collaborative approach. The other thing is something that a strategy that we've both recommended in, in some of our EIQ lives is for one week only, you're going to go on a meal plan for a week. And it's one week and it's going to be I don't know, 1800 calories, say, let's see what happens. Usually I go slightly below maintenance for this. And and just say, look, just normally we do flexible dieting. We take a really helpful approach. Let's just try and see just to, I always use words like, let's just restabilize things or just bring things back for a week. You know, just use some fancy, what's the word? Nomenclature. Nomenclature? Yeah, that's the word. I've never heard of that word. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, clearly you still don't know the word, but um, no. I'll send you after. And um, but use some sort of fancy phrasing, right? And what you then usually find is that they drop body weight, even though they think that they've increased their calories, and that immediately says, look, it's just because you weren't tracking properly. And then you can have that discussion afterwards and say, right, this is really informative. This means that you're absolutely able to drop body fat. This is great. Now what we're going to do is we're going to drop the calories back down a little bit again, and you're just going to re-weigh everything and just kind of start fresh and sometimes that's enough because they see the change in scale weight and they go oh I'm not broken the plan isn't broken this coach does know what they're doing even though we obviously know that you know what you're doing yeah I think and this is also why a lot of the time this is wrong but I'm just gonna yeah describe this situation so now and again, someone will come to me and be like, such and such a coach put me on X amount of calories. That's ridiculous. And the reason I don't always say, yeah, that does seem really low is because you don't really know why they've done that. So there have been examples of, especially with one-to-one clients who don't seem to be able to drop anything. And I know they're misreporting where I'll be like, okay, well, let's drop you to 1200 calories and see what happens. Knowing that they're eating 1600. If I give them 1200, they're eating 1600. And I mean, yesterday's a great example of that. Like you're looking at all the inaccuracies that can come in quite easily be 400 calories if you're not very good at tracking or, or you're not very accurate at tracking and you're not consistent. So I don't always think, oh, that, that coach must be giving ridiculously low calories. I'm like, well, actually possibly giving people more credit than, than <laughs> is necessary, but um sometimes it can be that sometimes it can literally be that I know that they tend not to drink to track any of the coffee that they drink all day or that they don't put condiments in or that x y and z and actually that's going to add up to x amount of calories so maybe if we try lower knowing that realistically they're going to shoot over that by three four hundred calories that can work sometimes yeah okay um how can you encourage clients who regularly don't track or log their calories, protein, or steps? Moving to online coaching, this is an issue I haven't had to deal with much, but would like to know if there's any tricks of the trade to help motivate them to stay on track, or even sometimes just to reply to your WhatsApps without nagging. Good question. To be totally honest, as a coach, you never want to be in the position where the motivation is coming from you. And this is a huge component of the motivational interview and the behavior change lecture that, that we're adding in this um, intake. Because if somebody is externally driven and externally motivated or they're not motivated at all, 
the chances of them sustaining any sort of change, it's not going to happen. It's They're going to do a week and then you're going to be nagging them again for another week or two weeks. It just doesn't work. And we know this from some of the psychological theories that, that we go into in, in that lecture. You need to think, you with your client need to figure out what's important to you, what their values are. And I know that that's something that I repeat in almost every single question, but why are they not doing it? It's because they can't see why it's important to them. Why is it important to them? So have that discussion where you say, okay, what's like, say this person's goal, this example client, and they're not sticking to anything, and their goal is fat loss. And maybe they're in a larger body and they've got two kids and a husband. And they're not sticking. Thanks for painting the picture. What do they work as? <sighs> they work what's their favorite color? She's called Karen and she works in a marketing office and she wears a pashmina. Oh, I love a pashmina. <laughs> <laughs> I like Karen. So do I. You've got the ideal like picture over in your head. It's an avatar. <laughs> it is. So we've got Karen, and Karen's like, I just, I just don't want to do it. I want to eat with my family, and I want to go on dates with my husband. But you've not had that discussion with her, and so what you're saying is, come on, Karen, track your macros every single day. That's what's important here. And she's like, I really want to eat with my kids. That's really important to me because she values family connection. So you have this discussion and say okay, well, how can we make this work around your family? You really want to lose body weight or body fat because you want to be able to run around with your kids when you go on holiday. Okay, so that's your that's kind of like your driving force. When it comes to tracking your macros, how does that, how does that move you towards that goal of running around with your kids? And how does it move you away from doing that? And actually getting to understand this action you're going out for a walk in the morning you don't want to do it but you're going out for a walk in, in the morning means that you're more likely to be able to run around with your kids on holiday in, in eight weeks time and another example would be okay we're going to track um 70 of your day but 30 percent of your day we're not tracking and that is for you to sit and have dinner with your kids i don't mind if you don't hit enough protein i don't mind because there's no guilt here you're just going to be mindful be in the moment put your phone down and have dinner with your kids and you can see how she'd probably just eat i don't know leftovers from their plate and a bit of salad or something it doesn't have to like she's not going to be stuffing her face because she feels bad because she's not quote on plan she's like oh this i'm eating with my kids and this is great and i'm still on track and i can see why i'm doing it so you need to move away from you directing it and leading it and nagging to why is this important to you and how can we make this align with what's important to you and what's your end goal in terms of your overall values agreed um i think some this is a bit of a side note to this question specifically but something we talk about quite a lot is like do you want it enough and most people, when they say that, it's like a prep coach being like, do you want it enough? And you're meant to be like, yes, I want it so much. Like, yes, of course I want it. Like, and it's like a motivating thing. And sometimes actually the right answer is, or like, if the answer is no, that's also fine. And people get in such a like horrible cyclical thing of like kind of beating themselves up for not getting results because realistically they don't want it enough to put the effort in to get it, which is fine. But as soon as you accept that and you tell yourself that, like, I think this happens quite a lot when people are in pretty and phenomenal shape, but they're always trying to get that little bit more. And I think it's partly, it's like an unrealistic expectation of how much work it actually takes to get that little bit more. And secondly, it's like accepting that I'm not willing to put in that work, which is fine, like completely fine, but stop beating yourself up and trying to push yourself that bit more when you actually don't want it enough 
for the cost uh, i.e the cost to you outweighs the benefit thus Mm. stop but I think actually realizing that is useful otherwise you're always like frustrated that you're not meeting this goal instead of actually just enjoying I don't know being at maintenance and being like yeah I'm gonna focus on you know I actually love exercise but I was kind of hating it because I was pushing myself towards this goal that actually I didn't really want that much Mm. um I think if you don't mind me jumping in I think you've hit such an important point where often especially early on when we start coaching personal training is we put our we outwardly put our goals onto our clients we want them to drop body fat we we assume people come to us for body fat loss and we want them to achieve something that we want for them and that's really really destructive because they then feel that they can't be open with you they then feel that they can't say i don't want it enough because they're scared that (laughs) they're scared that you're going to say well you're you should want enough because i think this is what you should want if that makes sense yes but do you think that's also like from the client as well as in like my client might be like well Emma will expect me to want weight loss Mm -hmm. but if I say actually I'm not interested in that then and again that's why it's so important to like be authentic on social media and talk about like if you're if you don't want all your clients to lose weight and that's not a high priority to you and you're you want to work with people that have maintenance goals have strength goals etc like make sure that that's clear that you're not focused on this as as like one sole thing that you're interested in but yeah I I agree I think it comes from both sides yeah I agree like I think sometimes the there's a perception that your coach would want you to do a certain thing yeah and then yeah totally agree. um and then the second part of this question about um helping motivate people like completely agree with what Amelia said I think another thing is don't be available all the time don't nag people like create some expectations of your clients like when my clients sign up one-to-one I'm like you will get a check-in reminder on Friday morning I won't ever nag you for a check-in like I'm not an admin assistant like that's your slot that's your time that's when you check in and actually they respect it so much more I think initially you're a bit like oh but I need to be available all the time when people tell me they have 24-hour whatsapp support no you don't know no like that's literally just making you seem constantly available and massively undervaluing your time and and you you can see that when you flip that round and you're like I'm just thinking about it with like therapy if it was like because there is one on better help that's like 24 hour whatsapp support and I just thought how fucking ridiculous and actually it would probably make me less likely to turn up to an actual session because I'm like well I can message them anytime same with like it's much more it's less likely that you're going to actually get your clients to do a proper check-in if they're like nah, I can just text her at any time with like some shitty little questions or like this is what I did today and not really like the whole point of a check-in is a self-assessment really and guidance from your coach obviously but like one of the key things that people are getting is this is what I did this week and this is what went well and what didn't go well and like the process of sitting down and actually assessing that is so important and if you're constantly there available all the time anyway not only is that not good for business but it devalues what you do and it and it changes the way that your client interacts with you as well so I would set out some like clear guidelines of you know yeah maybe they can email you between things but you will reply at x time or within 24 hours not I'm constantly available on whatsapp and this is your check-in date and I don't chase check-ins because 
it's your job like this you know I give all of this to you like this is the service I give to you what you do for me is you do your check-in on time yep okay sorry I got quite passionate about the check-in <laughs> process um if a 60 kilo oh if a 60 kilogram person lost weight after x amount of time on 1200 calories a day intake does that mean they will gain weight back if they go back to eating 1400 calories a day provided energy expenditure is the same because of adaptive thermogenesis does this mean a new maintenance calorie have been set no no so this is something again that people get a little bit confused about if you're dieting on very low calories let's use these examples you're 60 kilograms and you're dieting on 1200 calories you're in a really big deficit that's why it's hard to stick to you could probably bring your calories let's say your maintenance to 2000 you could bring your calories to 1600 and still lose that's still a deficit for you what might happen is let's say at the start of your diet your your maintenance needs were 2000 at the end of the, your diet they might be closer depending on how much you've lost to like 1900 or 1950 i always get confused if i'm saying 19000 right 1950 yeah um like that's the kind of the magnitude of adaptation you'd probably expect again depending on how much you've lost but you're certainly your maintenance aren't going to be 1400 calories and i think people get confused as like if this is my set deficit of 1200, no, 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 that isn't how it works. Like again, this is a really good point to make actually. When people like reverse diet, people back up very slowly. What they're essentially doing is just prolonging a diet, prolonging a deficit. So if you're reverse dieting someone from 1200 calories back up to their maintenance of 2000, but you're doing it every week, you're gonna increase by hundred calories for some reason. They're just in a deficit for the rest of that time. Like from the end of their diet to when they wanted to be at maintenance and if you're doing that slowly over time over what's that eight weeks they're in a deficit for eight weeks so that's why actually like reverse dieting doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense i do do it with some people from a psychological perspective but from a physiological perspective there's no reason to be doing that like ideally you would estimate their maintenance and just bring them straight up to maintenance yeah and if you actually look at the research about what reverse dieting actually is it is bringing your calories to maintenance Reverse dieting is not bringing them up by 50 calories a week, but reverse calories is uh, reverse dieting is bringing your calories up to your new maintenance calories straight away. It's just that people don't understand what that means. What is their research called reverse dieting? Yeah, I I did a post on this because Daily Mail did an article on it and one of the three DMJ guys shared it. And I remember being quite starstruck, like, oh, he shared my post for reverse dieting. I can't remember exactly the research, but yeah. Oh, because I always thought it was just like a bodybuilding term as opposed to anything that they actually used that term. I don't know who coined it. I don't know. I don't remember. I uh, think it was uh, Lane Norton. I would imagine it was Lane Norton. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, Chloe, how do you, oh, how to respond to clients about negative self-talk? Oh, Amelia, this is one for you. <laughs> E.g. need to get rid of these horrible thighs or calling themselves huge, etc. Why is it for me? Because... I'm full of, full of negative self-talk or yeah basically me so I do all day um yeah. I mean I just yeah. obviously encourage more negative self-talk because yeah. hate yourself into behavior change it's what we do it's our <laughs> second mission statement of the IQ um want results <laughs> hate yourself do you know what there's a horrible quote from oh no oh what's the film Zoolander and it's like 
it's like on the wall of their gym and it's like if you don't hate yourself enough to change then you'll stay fat forever or something and I'm like <laughs> I mean it's pretty bad that taken straight from Rachel Ford or <laughs> Yeah, we actually do talk about this. There's a paradoxical theory of change that we teach in the dieting lecture, one of the dieting lectures. I teach that. And um, there's a a specific theory of change that actually states only when you're content with where you are, are you then able to change. Um, And there's lots of psychological rationale behind that. So we know that it doesn't work for behavior change. So this is, Emma talks a lot about having to reiterate things to clients a hundred times over before one day they go oh and usually you're talking about scale weight or something like that and it's like they just don't take it on board until that 101 time and 101st time and then they go oh, right okay yeah and this is sort of like that so what was one of the examples that you said i um my thighs like i hate my thighs or yeah so there's a couple of things you can do here right so you can look at the overall body image and body image is not about the way someone looks um it's about the way the beliefs that someone has about the body the way that they act in relation to that their feelings about their body and the way they think about their body that's what body image is it's not actually about the body at all and so there's like different facets of that so you can really break it down and say right um a habit for this week and we talk a lot about the importance of setting habits and process-based goals a habit for this week is every single day you're going to express gratitude for your body about for one thing that it's done one thing that's allowed so you wake up in the morning and say like i got into the habit i heard oprah do this and i got into this um such so is my life every morning i wake up when i do my meditation and i say thanks for being alive and i say thanks for my body for giving me another day of being alive and it's so small but you wake up and you're like I mean, even if your day's crap, you're like, I'm grateful to be here. And body appreciation, there's like body body functionality awareness and body functionality appreciation. So you can say, I'm aware of what my body does. I'm aware that my body gives me life, but am I actively appreciating it? And it's the active appreciation of your body functionality that translates to improved body image. So think about how you can work with your clients to say, how am I going to incorporate this within their actual overall programming and make it just as important as their steps? And that's the way that I will work with my clients and say, do you know what? Your meditation target or something is just as important to me as you hitting your macros. That's just the way that we work. So think about how you can incorporate that in. And then you can do things like work on reframing. So whenever you look in the, in the mirror, you can say to your client, whenever you look in the mirror, what do you look at first? And there's a cool study that's um, that looks at where people's eyes go when they've got PMS and that we talk about on EIQ where during PMS, your eyes go to certain places in your body because your body image changes at that time. And you can get your clients to do something that's really applied and say, okay, I want you this week, every time you look in the mirror to know where your eyes go, legs, stomach, whatever it is. And then think, what are the feelings that come up when I do that? And then what... Um, actions do I take as a result prime example I look in the mirror I go first to my thighs I feel fat and I go and weigh myself and then I restrict all day and I feel really bad okay that's the choice that you've made what alternatives do we have here what what can you do instead maybe it's not looking in the mirror maybe it's saying right I'm going to look at I'm going to look in the mirror and instead of looking at my thighs I'm going to say I don't know thanks legs for letting me train something really cliche like that they're all really cliche but unfortunately the cliche stuff works and you can say, right, I'm going to look in there. I'm going to say, I'm really grateful. I don't have to love my thighs. I'm not trying to love myself. And 
that's a whole other kettle of fish. We're, we're not talking about forcing yourself to love your cellulite. We're saying, I don't like my legs and that's okay, but I appreciate my legs. And then ask your client, say, right, run through that. What, what would that feel like if you said, I appreciate my body? How would you then act for the rest of the day if you had that thought? And then once they've kind of run through that, you can say, right, this week, this is what we're going to put into practice. And it's work. It's tedious work for some people. And it's it's not quantitative. You don't get a scale weight at the end of changing your body image. You just don't get that. But if you want to work on that with your client, then that's just, you kind of have to take that hit and emphasize to them, like you've just said to me, you've had a week where you feel good about your body. That is a huge win. And, and really for you as a coach, picking up those types of things from your client and feeding that back is the biggest win of the week, as opposed to maybe dropping half kilo, which is which is great too, if that's their goal. So, you know, I was trying to explain a quote I think we were doing the live yesterday. Yeah, gosh, we've done it. Amelia and I have done a lot of lives in the last couple of days. But anyway, we, we were talking about it and I was trying to like butchered this quote about how did you accomplish that? Or like, how did you get into this mindset? And then it, I was saying how it just becomes like all at once. Anyway, I found the quote. So the quote is, how did you accomplish that? So in this instance, it could be an improved body image. And then the answer is the same as everything gradually and then all at once. And I think that's normally how it feels. It's like gradual progress of like nothing really like, oh, some days I feel this, some days I don't. And then like one day you kind of wake up and you're like, oh, I, you know, you're like, I don't really look at myself in the mirror. I don't really like check myself all the time. Like I don't remember exactly when that started or stopped happening, but now I feel so much better about myself. And that, that tends to be with like mindset change, how things happen. It's not like, it's very unlikely it's going to be one like sometimes there is that kind of clicking moment but often it's like you just notice they're like oh I don't weigh myself every day anymore like it doesn't even cross my mind to force myself not to weigh myself every day I just I just don't do it like it doesn't even I don't even think about it anymore and I quite like that like same as everything gradually and then all at once and you kind of notice these things like that. um but yeah re re-negative re like self-talk I think the first thing is one you've noticed that you're doing it call yourself out on it I always find what's quite useful is like is it true like and and most of these things like can't objectively be true like oh I'm a pig oh I'm so big like well I mean is it true does it matter like is it helpful is another thing like most of these things can't objectively be true so then ask is it helpful is it helpful for me to tell myself this if my goal is fat loss at the moment is it helpful for me to tell myself that I'm huge? No, it isn't. And actually, you know, it, I, this is probably the most common advice that people give when it comes to like negative self-talk, but talk to yourself the way that you would talk to someone you like, because you should be someone that you like. Like if it was your friend, you wouldn't be like, yeah, you're pretty huge. Like you would be like, but you're doing something about it. That's incredible. You've actually invested in doing something about it. You're making these changes most people don't do that. Like it's kind of easy for us to think that most people do because obviously most people we interact with do because they're our clients, but it's a freaking huge step to be like, I'm unhappy enough that I'm going to go and get some help and I'm going to commit to doing this. And I, I guess, cause like we work with so many people, it can be quite easy just to almost overlook that and be like, well, that's a given. Like everyone who turns up here has invested in this, but for an individual, that's massive to, to say, I'm ready to make this change and I've actually invested and committed to doing this huge so give yourself credit for that as well or like give your clients credit for that and they should give themselves credit for that 
in the same way that they would if if it was someone that they loved doing it if it was their partner or their friend who was like oh I feel huge and the, and they'd actually made a change and they'd started making a change how much encouragement would you be giving them like that's the kind of encouragement you need to start giving yourself so that I would give them that little pep talk mm, I like that pep talk <clears throat> okay I'm currently doing BTN and only have two exams left so should be finished and qualified nutritionist by the end of the year how very exciting I absolutely love and admire the two of you and stop and feel like I just want to keep learning more. Would I be biting off more than I can chew by signing up for this intake of EIQ? Well, we obviously don't know the con the content in terms of how much work you've got outside of this. Again, I, I suppose we can't really emphasize enough how important it is for us that people can do this alongside other things. And there might be some of the students that are or graduates that are in this group that can kind of tell you or vouch for that. I would, I mean, if you've got a little bit, if you've got an hour and a half a week ish free, then you'll be absolutely fine. You know, the, the lives you can catch up at any time, the lectures and the podcast, you know, people, a lot of our students listen to our Tuesday lives on walks and they go off and do other things and they just listen to us like a podcast um, and pocket dial half the time. And that's, you know, that's great. So it's only really the lecture, which is a maximum of an hour per week, really. And then the podcast, so on top of that. So we really, really wanted to, wanted it to be doable alongside everything else. So I would, I'm going to say no from what I know, but I don't know how much you do for your other stuff. So that's, that's. I'm going to say yes, sign up. Oh yeah, I mean, no, you're not biting off more than you can. Oh, right. Okay, I was like, okay. <laughs> was like, what? Great work there. No, yeah, I think, yeah. I think you'll be absolutely fine. And the other thing is, if you've only got a couple of exams left and it sounds like you're here for continued learning as well, remember that it's only 35 pounds a month to stay on as a grad. So if you, if for example, for the first month or two, you let a couple of things slip because you're still doing BTN work, you can easily catch that up. The other thing I would say is we get a lot of people who have, and this is probably the most incredible feedback we get, but who have done MNU, BTN, nutrition degrees. And they're like, this adds so much. And I think what we wanted to make that was so different is this is applied to coaching. Our whole aim is to make you a better coach, is to help you deliver a better service to your clients. So all of it is applied. And I guess that's probably the difference between the other nutrition courses that you can do and EIQ. Mm. Okay, is it better to recommend to a person who wants to lose weight to do a strength training and cardio to lose weight or just cardio? I will always recommend strength training because of all of the the myriad health benefits that come with strength training you should never no. just be programming someone for fat loss like you always should be considering the health yeah agreed there's so many benefits to exercise that have nothing to do with fat loss and there's so many benefits to resistance training especially that have nothing to do with fat loss so the reason i get my fat loss clients to resistance train has nothing to do with the fact they're burning calories yeah. like it, it's completely separate to me the, the best way to create a deficit is via your activity levels. Whether you want to do extra cardio or not, it's kind of up to you and your diet. Like your resistance training, it's not about how many calories you burn during a workout. So there's that. Okay, why is it if a person just does running or hit, they can't lose weight? They can. <laughs> they can. So I think this is just a bit like, 
maybe that's the confusion around why people are suggesting to do resistance training for fat loss and that I mean one I've just explained but the second one is most people want to look I'm going to use the word quote unquote toned okay so they don't just want to be really really slim they want to have some shape there and to do that you need muscle and a lot of people keep and this is a problem I see a lot actually is keep dieting more and more and more because they don't they're not as lean as they want and there isn't enough muscle there for them to be lean so the reason that you don't have triceps or you can't see your abs is because there isn't muscle under there like you've not built muscle so that's part of it as well is the the importance of actually probably for the physique that you want you're going to need to build some muscle which means resistance training is important and also just maintaining as much lean muscle mass as possible for health is so so important even for like your and and I mean probably one of the reasons that exercise seems to attenuate the reduction in uh, resting metabolic rate is probably the maintenance at least a part of this the maintenance of lean tissue as well as you're dieting so yeah always resistance train you know in that question does, does the person mean why can't they lose weight with when they're running as in they're not losing weight when they're running or as in why can someone not why is it if a person just does running or hit, they can't lose weight? Oh, that will be because they're not in deficit because they're not in a deficit. And again, this is there's like a, a kind of balance that you want to strike with people where once people start doing more, it's often runners, more cardio, their hunger levels offset the expenditure. So the more cardio you do, your hunger ramps up. And if you're not meticulously tracking, you end up eating more than you would if you actually had a slightly less cardio because your hunger would be lower. So there's like a fine balance to strike. And the more you work with cl- like a specific client, you can say, oh, do you know what? I remember this from last time. When we push your cardio too much, you struggle to stick to your diet. So let's just keep it down and we'll, we'll do something else. So that's that'll be one of the reasons why. Or they're, or they're running in the morning and they're sitting in their office all day and not doing anything else. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes there's like, there's either like, the conscious and the subconscious um result of running so it can be that your hunger levels go up it can be that you're like i went for a run this morning i can obviously eat more or it can be that you're like i went for a run this morning i'll just drive to work when you'd normally walk and actually your total daily energy expenditure is similar or or actually maybe even lower so there's loads of considerations and just looking at one thing in isolation isn't particularly useful and this is why we really emphasize looking at both sides of the energy balance equation so that's why keeping track of your steps is quite useful as well okay right last question i really enjoyed the webinar thank you so very much oh thank you so very much (laughs) for providing such useful information i'm in the very early stages of coaching and i feel very anxious about my current knowledge base and future education i'm going to join a future intake of eiq but as a generalization do you feel that there is a minimum level qualification required to be a nutrition coach without a degree i found obtaining an insurance tough tough sorry with my current qualifications and i was thinking i should take a level 4 in nutrition diploma alongside eiq also, okay, then there's another question. Okay. Which actually is kind of related, I'm just going to say. Also, next question. As the term nutritionist is not protected title, am I best to use the term nutrition coach? I genuinely don't want to mislead anyone. Thank you. Well, 
I respect your morals and your ethics and I wish everyone had your morals and your ethics and I congratulate you on your morals and your ethics well done Katie Brown well, well done. done well done Katie Brown um I wouldn't say that you should do another nutrition qualification and that's not from a sales point of view at all that's just from a EIQ will be sufficient for you to use nutrition as part of your overall coaching programming um so that cast was that kind of answers that part from a, so i'm a registered nutritionist with the association for nutrition so in my personal opinion i think all coaches should have a nutrition qualification of some sort um i obviously think eiq is the best because we wrote it and i've written once i've written nutrition qualifications before for different pt courses and stuff and this is about 100 times better um because yes she is here obviously but I so I'm not going to recommend another one, but I would I don't I don't necessarily agree with coaches giving out nutrition advice if they've not got a nutrition qualification, whatever that is. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a specific minimum, but I'd say the minimum is more than what you get on a level three personal training course. In my registered nutritionist opinion, I don't know. What do you um, think? Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think you need more than that. It it depends a little bit. Like if you're a personal trainer and you're literally just being like what's your portion sizes like this is how you might want to use my fitness pal but i'm not like and it's really like generic basic advice sure like you can help someone with their behaviors around food like oh it might be that you're snacking quite a lot oh you always seem to overeat in the evening why don't you try eating more during the day so that you're not so hungry in the evening that you end up overeating like kind of basic advice like that fine but when you're getting a little bit more into the nuances of things and like you'll see this throughout the course there are certain things that you need to know. There are certain things that you need to watch out for. And if you're a nutrition coach, as opposed to a personal trainer, who's like suggesting that you eat more fruit and veg, then yeah, you need some kind of qualification there. Not only, it also sounds like you're not confident in your own like knowledge at the moment. And that's hugely important on so many levels, not only just because you, you quite clearly have great morals and that would probably limit you in terms of what you're offering, but also because the way that you deliver information is so important in terms of your client's results. So if you're like, oh, I think that you should do this, but I'm not really sure. And like, I'm not like, if you can't explain things simply and accurately, and you can't answer basic questions that they're going to come back at you with, with confidence, they won't have confidence in you. Thus, they won't have confidence in what you're telling them. Thus, they won't get results because they'll be second guessing what you're telling them anyway. Or they'll be like, oh, but actually this person who does have a lot of confidence is telling me to just eat Herbalife shakes or whatever. I'll just go and do that. And, and unfortunately there is an element of the fool doth know he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. But I think like, <laughs> I think if you can explain things well, and if you can be like, this is why you don't have to go low carb and I can really easily explain energy balance to you. And these are the fundamentals that's going to help you like dispel some of the crap in the industry that people will be attracted to like really low calorie diets or meal replacement shakes for every meal or low carb at the cost of everything else so yeah okay well we're at the end of the live so <laughs> well done for getting here and I actually haven't looked on the live to see if there's any questions on the live let me just check the reminder the early bird for this intake closes this week so if you want to sign up to this intake highly highly recommend you sign up this week 
what days is it wednesday thursday friday yeah friday it closes so then the price will go up from the early bird price so okay we've got a couple here <clears throat> um also some of them were live so i'm sorry that we're now going back in time just transport yourself i'm not 100 percent sure when this came up but just on that i had a client that didn't lose any weight in 12 weeks sat about 75 kilograms the whole time but lost 12 centimeters off her waist sorry i hadn't finished i guess i'm asking you won't always see scale change but measurements confirm a deficit um yeah to an extent or it, it could just be like a i guess like a bit of a redistribution or she's built muscle remember as well that even if you don't lose any fat if you build muscle your body fat percentage has reduced and you'll probably see that potentially in things like measurements anything to add no um <clears throat> evening on last night's live you said that calories on packaging is allowed to be up to 20 percent wrong do we know the reasons why this is allowed and do you know of any plans to make packaging more accurate it's just I, the, it's just the fda that because of it's just because of natural variation in calorie intake there, there's just no physical way of ensuring specific numbers within each package it just isn't it just isn't physically possible so it's the food standard agency or the fda they are the ones that say percent. Mm -hmm. i also just think yeah like you're saying it's unrealistic to actually have like mega accurate things unless you're kind of living or eating like a spaceman or something and all your stuff's like pre-packaged and everything <laughs> <laughs> sorry a simile what a simile yeah that's where my mind goes um and i also think i mean if you really take in everything that we were saying yesterday it doesn't really matter like if you're consistently eating the same things and you're not losing weight or then you know you're not in a deficit and yeah things can be inaccurate but even I mean you'd have to go to the extent of not only the calories on it being accurate but if you're going to go to that trouble then surely we should be looking at caloric availability as well because that's going to vary and that's just like a whole nother freaking level of there's there's really like that would just be really hard to do Okay, um, definitely thinking about signing up and just curious if I might go towards continuing, if this might go towards continuing education credits. If not, I just need to make sure to find time to do this program and credits from something else planning ahead. So at this point, what are you gonna say? I was just gonna say, we're, we're working on it, okay? It's yeah. a long process. Yeah, so we're working on it at the moment. Um, so at this point it won't it's not stifled any of our students and graduates and actually a lot of people have said there's no point in doing it but it's important for us just to do it so it will change but it's not yet yeah and just to give you sort of the back a little bit of the background on that like if you want to be accredited you have to put in a lot of things that you like a lot of people have probably done before and a lot of the basic things and yeah there's just a lot of hoops to jump through which will be jumped through but that's kind of why it, it hasn't yeah. been done yet we wanted to prioritize first of all talking about menstrual cycle and all of these things that we know matter to to do a good course first and then we'll add in all the eat well plates and stuff that we need to add in yeah they might be like this has to be in here but we don't actually recommend that you use it yeah but it's yeah. <laughs> um I have a full-time job and two kids under five and I'm managing yes Hayley I'm also doing my PT qualifications at the same time I'm doing both 
much slower than I probably could, but I'm managing to fit it in. I'm planning to stay as a grad anyway, because I know I'll get loads of value from staying on in the group. God. A star, Haley. Well done. A star in life, Haley. Yeah. Oh, and I really want to say who's just signed up, but I I have a real problem with pronouncing names. Like it's really bad. I can't see, so I'm not I can't even provide any support here. I'm gonna go with Kiaran. Kiaran. I feel like that's gonna be wrong. Just <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> Um, anyway he says he signed up so i'm really excited to have you and i really hope i haven't is it not just kian no (laughs) no i mean i don't know but probably is i feel like that would be the obvious go to here and don't take it it does i don't know if i've ever seen (laughs) i'm not sure i've ever seen like the name kieran it is (laughs) It is. Okay. Well, welcome, Kieran. I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to welcome you with your name. Her coaching is far and her mentoring is far better than her name pronunciation. Like it's, a, it's a real problem. Okay. <laughs> we only that positive. wasn't as bad as Shoban. When I, when <laughs> I didn't know how to say the, the name Sinead. You mean Siobhan? Because you just said Siobhan, <laughs> yeah, Siobhan. <laughs> right, okay, right. Well, um, welcome. We're Rebecca's happy. just asked, will the price stay the same in the January intake? We don't know yet. We don't depends. know. Yet. We're, we're it probably, it, honestly, it probably depends partly on how much more work we have to do to get it credited and how much that costs and the examination processes for that. Uh, the other thing that we want to do, and I probably shouldn't say too much of our ideas because I don't know if they don't happen, but hey, we'll, we'll put ourselves on the line here. If anyone has already done EIQ and then we get it credited, I mean, there might be a small cost to this, but we want you to come back and be able to do the exams if you want the accredited version of the course. So if you've already done it and you're like, oh, what? Now they're getting credited. Like, what, like, what do I do? There will be an option of like an add-on say that you can get this we are, yeah that's our 100% goal and we're 90% sure that we'll be able to do it somehow yeah so you can be very reassured by those statistics yeah they're very well founded basically pretty sure it's going to happen um, when we decide we're going to do something it happens that this is very true actually it's it. if there's two people that off. say they're going to do something and do it that's us it's us when it comes to work yeah agree. yeah <laughs> right okay <laughs> Uh, that's been lovely thanks everyone and if anyone has any questions as well just tag us in the group like if you're what if you want any questions or feel free to dm us i'm probably best to dm on instagram if you want to chat to us about the course before you sign up um but yeah remember that friday is the deadline for the early bird Mm -hmm. bye bye if you think this course sounds freaking awesome freaking freaking i don't know then head over to eiqnutrition.com. You can still sign up for the August intake until the end of the month. We start right at the end of the month, which is very, very exciting and actually not long now.